0: Less um Let's take our Bibles and open them to the book of 2 Kings in the Old Testament this morning, 2 Kings chapter number 5, and I want to share some things with you from the Word of God this morning. If you'll just leave your Bibles open and follow me along here for just a moment. My plans are to have you out of here, so let's do our best to tell others. We'll try to put the information out all that we can this week, and so you join us in that. Let's call others and tell them we're back again and looking forward to a good day in the Lord's house next Sunday. All right, 2 Kings chapter 5, page number 426, if you have an old Scofield Bible, and I'm going to step over here and get me some more of these clips. I brought me some clothespins this morning, but man, my Bible is blowing everywhere this morning, all right? Let me... Uh, second kings chapter five and uh, let me just uh, uh, get started here with the message this morning you know one of the misconceptions that a lot of people have when it comes to the uh, old testament is that the old testament has absolutely no relevance for those of us who are living in the 21st century in fact you know a lot of preachers even refuse to preach from the old testament anymore on the basis that it's just totally irrelevant But you and I know that the stories and the principles and the promises of the Old Testament are right up to date where we're living at this very day. In fact, here in 2 Kings chapter number 5, we find a story this morning that is just as up to date and relevant as this morning's Winston-Salem Journal. Let me tell you what the story is all about for the sake of time. I won't read a lot of verses this morning. But this story, if you're familiar with the Bible, is a story that I'm sure is familiar to you. It is a simple story about a man by the name of Naaman. Now, Naaman was a four-star general who lived in a country called Syria. Now, just so you'll know, know what we're talking about here, Syria... At, that, at this particular time in our text this morning would actually be like the United States of its day. In other words, Syria was the world superpower of this particular day, and Naaman was the highest-ranking official in the military in all the land of Syria. But Amon had, Naaman had a problem, and his problem was that he suffered from an ancient disease that's still around some today, but a disease called leprosy. You see, this man Naaman, the Bible tells us here in our story, uh, goes down to the land of Israel where he's confronted by a prophet by the name of Elijah. Naaman has leprosy. There is no cure for leprosy. Naaman goes down to Israel, runs into the prophet Elijah, and the prophet tells Naaman that if he wants to be made whole, that all he has to do is to go and take seven ducks, seven dunks in the river Jordan, and if he'll do that, if he'll obey what the prophet says for him to do, his, uh, his, uh, his leprosy will be instantaneously cleansed. His leprosy will disappear. Now, of course, that's a great story, and that's exactly what happens in this story, and it's a great story. But if I could, I want to show you really how relevant this story is to us living in this, in this day. In, in verse number 1, I want you to do this, if you will, where it says, Now Naaman. Now, Naaman. I want you to put your name there. I would read it like this, Now Tim. You could put your name there. now Jonathan or 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 now uh, uh, Sam, or now John. Or whatever, put your name there, now Tim. Then it goes on to say some good things about old Naaman here in this text. But then, if you'll notice right at the end of verse number one, we read these words, but he was a leper. Now, if you will, substitute the word leper and put the word sinner there so we read verse 1 like this, now Tim, then you could say some things, maybe he pastored a church, he was a preacher of the Word of God, he tried to do right, whatever, but at the end of this, you would read this phrase, but he was a sinner. Then if you'll jump down to verse number 10 of this chapter, after being confronted by the prophet Elijah, Elijah tells him there in verse number 10, go and wash In Jordan. So, for the word Jordan, if you'll substitute the blood of Jesus Christ that they just sang about just a moment ago. So, let's read it like this Now, Tim was a sinner, but if he'll go down and wash in the blood of Jesus Christ, he shall be made whole. Now, I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. You can't help but see the spiritual significance of this story that we're dealing with here this morning. Though this story is thousands and thousands of years old, truth of the matter is this story relates to us living in this present hour. What we have here in our text this morning is one of these Old Testament powerful conversion stories in our Old Testament. And what I've done this morning, just for the sake of time, I have broken this whole story down into only three stages. I'm preaching this morning on this thought, seven ducks and a muddy river, seven ducks and a muddy river. So let me just give you three truths that we find from this story as they relate to us living in the 21st century uh, that we are today. First of all, I want to get you to note number one, the problem, the problem no man can shake. The problem no man could shake. Now, as we read about Naaman here in verse number one, just looking at him on the outside, you would think that there was absolutely nothing wrong with him whatsoever. I mean, just looking at him from the outside, you would think this old boy doesn't have a problem in the world. Just looking at him from the outside, you would think here is a man that has got it all together. If you look there at verse number one, we're told three great things about this man by the name of Naaman. First of all, we're told a little bit about how he was a virtuous citizen. The Bible said that he was captain of the host of the king of Syria and the Bible said he was a great man with his master. Now what that phrase means, a great man with his master, it simply means that he was the right hand man of the king. He was trustworthy. He was loyal. He He was held in high esteem by the people of his nation. He was morally upright. He was a man the king could trust. He was honest. Clean living. He was a hard working man. No doubt Naaman's name was a name, a key that could unlock a lot of doors in the land of Syria. He was the kind of man that every dad in the land of Syria would be proud for their daughter to marry. You know why? He was a virtuous citizen. But then as we continue to read there in verse 1, we find that he was not only a virtuous citizen, we also find that he was a victorious captain because verse number 1 continues by saying that by his him, the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. The Bible tells us that old Naaman here was a great military leader. He had led the armies of Syria into many a battle and they had never returned uh, defeated. That's right, the whole world they feared the Empire of Syria not only because of their military might, they feared the Empire of Syria because of the military mind of Naaman. Now, everybody likes a winner, and can I tell you something? Naaman was a winner. He had never, ever lost a battle. He was no doubt the storming Norman Schwarzkopf of his day. He was a virtuous citizen. He was a victorious captain. But then we read again in verse number 1 that he was a valiant commander. You see, verse number 1 says that, in verse number 1, that he was also a mighty man of valor. Now I know all over this parking lot today we have veterans here that have valiantly, courageously served our nation. I think about some of the men that I've been in your home, and I've saw some of the medals that you have won because of your valor in combat, your willingness to serve your nation. And there are many of you that are sitting right here in this parking lot today that are highly decorated veterans. But I want to tell you something, Buddy Naaman must have been a highly decorated veteran. He was a war hero of his day. No doubt he had received what would be the equivalent of our Congressional Medal of Honor from the governor of of, of his day. He was known for his bravery. While other generals sent their men into battle, Naaman led his men into battle. He was not a general that stayed back of the chuck wagon while all the soldiers went out to fight the war. No, sir. He was right in the middle of the battles that was going on. He didn't know the meaning of the word retreat. His backbone was as wide as a saw log. No doubt every boy, little boy in the land of Syria, wanted to grow up and be just like Naaman. You know, in our day down at Walmart or wherever, they sell those G.I. Joe action figures, you know. But in Naaman's day, I'm sure Walmart was selling the G.I. Naaman action figures because he was a valiant commander. He was a virtuous citizen. He was a valiant commander, and he was a victorious captain. But Naaman had a problem. You see, with all the things that were right about him, all the good things that could be said about him, the one bad thing that he had overshadowed all the other things that were so good about him. No doubt he was impressive to look upon on the outside. No doubt he had a shiny metal helmet, and uh, no doubt he had all kind of war medals pinned on his his chest. But we read there in verse number 1 that he was a leper. You see, what the shiny medals couldn't do and the beautiful military uh, uniform couldn't do was change the fact that underneath all of that, he was a leper. As valiant, as victorious, as virtuous as he was, he still had a problem. You know, in our day, we talk about the dreaded C word, meaning cancer. And, you know, sometimes people go and they get the diagnosis of cancer and they say I got the dreaded C diagnosis. And we call cancer the dreaded C word. Well, in Naaman's day, the dreaded C word was the dreaded L word. I mean, when you got leprosy, unless God divinely intervened, you were a goner. No doubt about it. Now, of course, the deeper truth to all that is this leprosy in the Bible is a picture of sin. You know, it's interesting to note throughout the Bible, you never hear of leprosy being healed. You never hear hear of leprosy being cured. Always in the Bible, leprosy had to be. Cured cleansed. You're not healed from your sin. You're not cured from your sin, but thank God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we are cleansed from our sin. You see, just like old Naaman, just like Naaman, every last one of us have a problem this morning. It is a problem with sin. You sit here in your automobiles this morning, and here I stand before you sweating like a a Comanche Indian up here this morning, but I got my suit on, I got my deodorant on and all that. I washed my hair and brushed my teeth this morning. You probably did the same before you come to church, but can I tell you something? What the uh, cologne can't do, what the, uh, the deodorant can't do, what the makeup can't do on your ladies is to conceal the fact that underneath all of this, we have a problem with sin. Every last one of us have a problem, and it cannot be healed. It cannot be cured, but Thank God, through the blood of Jesus, it can be cleansed. Can I tell you something? Naaman's greatest problem was not the leprosy of his skin. Naaman's greatest problem was the lostness of his soul. Your greatest problem and my greatest problem in this world today is not the high unemployment rate. It is not uh, the sluggish economy. It is not the coronavirus. Our greatest problem is a sin problem, and sin has infected, affected, and affected every last one of us. It's a problem we cannot shake this morning. It's a problem we cannot shake. But then I want you to see the second thing in this test. This Not only a problem that we cannot shake, but there is a path that we must all take. That's right. We got a problem. We can't shake it. Hey, you can't go to you can't go to Walgreens and get something for the sin problem. Hey, you can't go to Walmart and get something. for You can't check into the Baptist hospital and to get what you need for your sin problem. But God has carefully laid out a path for us that if we'll be obedient and follow that path, thank God, our leprosy, our sin can be cleansed. That's the reason I'm calling it a path that all must take. Now, I've got to tell you, look at in our text your Naaman is a goner. He's a goner. He's got leprosy. There's no cure for that leprosy whatsoever. There's not one thing he can do about it. There's not anybody in this world that can heal old Naaman, that is, except God. Well, Naaman, through an unusual set of circumstances, finds out that there may be some hope yet. He finds out that there may be somebody that can help him you see on a previous military campaign while down fighting in the land of israel naaman has took captive a little maid and brought her back from israel to syria he has he has he has given her a job as a little servant girl to work around their house to help out his wife working around the Well, one day when this little maid hears about the condition of her master Naaman, she tells Naaman's wife, You know, I I wish he was down there in the land of Israel because there's a prophet down there that might can offer him some hope. Now, you've got to bear in mind, Naaman's probably tried everything. He's tried every miracle potion. He's tried every ointment, every salve, every medication known to man. He's been to every doctor, every hospital, every uh, every chief of surgery down in the land of Syria, all to no avail. But his wife, here's what this little girl says, she runs to the office and tells Naaman what the little girl said. And in no time, lickety-split, Naaman is on his way to the land of Israel. You see, Naaman is not only a diseased man, Naaman is a desperate man. Time is running out. He is willing to try anything. So he gets down to the land of Israel, and somehow or another, he eventually winds up before the prophet of God, who tells him exactly what he must do to be cleansed, to be healed of his leprosy. And if you'll join me in this text, if you'll look down in verse number In verse number 10, the prophet says this. Here's what you need to do, Naaman. You need to go down to the Jordan River. You need to take seven dunks in that Jordan River. And once you do that, then your flesh will come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Now, let me tell you something. This is a, first of all, it's a a very, very simple plan. All it involves is go down and wash in the Jordan River seven times. Now, there's nothing complicated about that. Uh, Just go to the Jordan River, the prophet said. He didn't say go to the Akin River. He didn't say go to the, the Dan River. He didn't say go to the Ararat River. He said go to the Jordan River. Hey, he didn't say go to the river of your choice and dip seven times and you will be healed. You know something? How complicated is that? How easy is that to follow? How simple is that? There's nothing confusing, nothing confounding, nothing complicating about that. It is a very, very simple message. By the way, can I say this? You know the message concerning salvation is a very simple message. God's word, if you need to be saved, God's word to you and to me is this believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Hey, listen, God didn't say believe on Buddha, God didn't say believe on. Allah. God didn't say believe on Confucius. God didn't say believe on the God of your choice. God said if you want to be saved, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank God for Jesus this morning. He is the only way to be saved. And by the way, God even takes it a step further than that. God said what you've got to do to be cleansed from the disease of your sin is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But to help you to do that, I'm even going to give you the faith to believe the Lord Jesus Christ and to receive Him is sure. How simple is that? How, how easy is that? It is a simple message. But then can I say this? It's not only a simple path, it's a sure path. Elijah said there in verse, Elijah said in verse number 10, if you'll do this, those last uh, four or five words there, verse number 10, says this, and thou shalt be clean. In other words, he's, Elijah said, look, if you'll do what I'm asking you to do, hear me and hear me well, no doubt about it, your leprosy will be cleansed. He didn't say do this and we'll hope for the best. He didn't say do this and it might happen. He didn't say do this and it possibly could happen. He said, no, sir, if you'll follow this simple path, If you'll listen to what I'm telling you to do, no doubts about it, you can be cleansed. You know, the message of salvation is not only a simple path. Thank God the message of salvation is also a sure path. God said, if you'll believe on Jesus, if I'll believe on Jesus and I'll even give you the faith, I'll supply the faith for you to do it. And if you'll do that, God didn't say, well, you might be saved. God didn't say, well, you possibly could be saved. But God said, if you trust my son Jesus, you are going to be saved this morning. That's exactly right. Yes, sir. Now, the problem with all this is this. As we read through the Word of God, mankind is sick. You're sick and I'm sick it's a sin sickness it's worse than the coronavirus coronavirus can take life from my body but it cannot take my soul to hell but sin will separate me from God throughout all of eternity it is an incurable disease it cannot it will not get better on its own there's no human remedy for it you can't join enough churches get baptized in enough baptistries you can't do enough good works you can't give enough money there is only one way to you for you and me to receive cleansing And that's not Jordan, but it is through Jesus. He is the way to cleansing this morning. There's no plan B now. Understand that. There is no plan B. It's the Jordan, and it's seven dunks in the river, and you will be cleansed. Let me just say this. There's a problem none of us can shake. There's a path we all must take. But now here's the problem. There's the pride that every man must break. You see, when Naaman finally gets down there to the land of Israel, first of all, he goes to a politician. Look what happens here in chapter 5, uh, verse, number, is it verse, uh, verse number 6. The Bible said, and Naaman brought a letter to the king of Israel. Uh, the first thing that he did was he went to a politician. But how many of us know it's not a politician that we need? Thank you. <laughs> what this world needs is not a poli- not another politician. What the world needs is an old-fashioned preacher that's full of the Holy Ghost of God who will stand up, look you in the eye, and say, okay, you've got a terrible disease, and this is how it can be cleansed. So the politician sends Naaman to the prophet, to the preacher. And the Bible said that, Na- that, that Elijah sends word out to Naaman. Here's what you got to do. But if you look at verse number 11, uh, 11, Naaman gets mad about the message. You see, Naaman wants to be honored. Naaman wants to be heard. Elijah wants him to be healed. Naaman thought, I'm a four-star general that just happens to have leprosy. Elijah said, you're a leper that just happens to be a four-star general. And Elijah's message was very, very simple. Go dunk in the Jordan, and you will be clean. Well, Naaman gets mad about it. And he says there in verse number 11, Man, I thought he would come out here and put his hands on me and call on God. I thought there'd be more to it than this. How many of us know the reason a lot of people aren't saved is because they try to overcomplicate the matter of salvation. The reason a lot of people are not saved today is because they think there's so much they've got to do. Ladies and gentlemen it's not what you and I can do it's what Jesus has already done Naaman wanted to be healed he wanted to be heard he wanted to be honored and yet the Bible said that if he was going to do that he has got to follow what the man of God says for him to do and Naaman thinks to himself there has got to be another way. In verse number 12 he says he mentions two rivers Abana and Parfar rivers of Damascus. How Much cleaner they are than the River Jordan. But ladies and gentlemen, God didn't say Abana. And God didn't say Parfar. God said you've got to go dip in the Jordan River. Now Naaman is faced with a choice. Will he die in his pride or will he die to his pride? His healing, ladies and gentlemen, is not a question of water. It is a question of his will. Naaman said I'll die if I have to dip in Jordan. Elijah said you'll die If you don't, and it all boils down to a matter of Naaman breaking with his pride and doing what God wants him to do. Can I tell you something? You know the reason a lot of people are not saved is because they got too much pride to be saved. I wonder who I may be speaking to right here in this parking lot this morning. And down deep on the inside, you know that something's missing in your life. Maybe I'm speaking to somebody by the way of Facebook or live stream this morning and you know there's something missing for your life. But years ago you joined a church. Years ago, you yoked up with a Sunday school class. Years ago, you got baptized. Years ago, you used to sing in the choir. You used to sing solos. or You used to do this in the church. You were an usher or or maybe a deacon or maybe even a preacher, but you know something's missing down on the inside. You know that what you've got in your heart is not good enough for you to die by. But the one thing that keeps you from doing what God says for you to be done that needs to be done for you to be cleansed, the one thing that prohibits you from doing that is your pride it's not a matter of water it is a matter of will can I tell you something your salvation this morning is not a matter of works it's a matter of your will why won't you just do what God says for you to do you know most people won't even admit the fact that they are a sinner or else they're worried about what somebody else is going to think about them. Well, let me finish the rest of the story, and we're done. So what happens? Well, after some convincing, look at verse 13. After some convincing, his servants convince him, Hey, look, man, just give it a whirl. What have you got to lose, Naaman? I mean, think about it, son. You're, you're Sir, you're going to die. I mean, you, there's nobody can help you. Hey, why not do it? So after a little bit of, uh, uh, of uh, persuasion, Verse 14, he goes down, and the Bible said he dipped. And I can just see this in my mind. He took that first dip in that water. He ducked himself the first time, and he come up, and the leprosy is still on him. The second time, the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time. Finally, he throws up his head. He said, man, this ain't going to work. I mean, look at me. I've still got it. It's still all over me. I told you all. They said, oh, oh, please, sir, try it twice more. He goes down the sixth time. Nothing happens. But on that seventh duck, in that muddy river, the Bible said that he comes up. Look at verse 14. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. What happened? He did what God told the prophet to tell him to do. And when he followed the word of God for his life, he found the cleansing that he needed can I say this if you'll look back in verse number 11 I got these words circled in my Bible and it says this in verse 11 Naaman was wroth and went away and said behold I thought but if you will jump down to verse 15 and let me read this to you he returned to the man of God he and all of his company and Cain stood before him and he said behold now I know so verse 11 he's thinking But when he obeyed what God said for him to do, he not only got the cleansing that he needed, but he also got the assurance that he needed as well. Now I know. Can I ask you something this morning as we close our service today? Are you sitting here or listening or watching? Are you one of those and your pride has got you at a point point in a place in your life where you're not able to do what God is telling you to do? You know, one of the things I believe that prohibits us from having revival in these days is us. And I said us. We're eat up with so much pride that we're not willing to do what God tells us to do. Well, I want to say, ladies and gentlemen, if we're ever going to get help from God, we're going to have to break with our pride, set that aside, obey the Word of God, and then we can and will receive from God what we need for God to do in our lives. Seven ducks in a muddy river. There's a problem we can't shake. There's a path we must take, but there's a pride that we have to break if we're going to get from God what we need for God to do in our lives. Let's bow our heads for prayer.